infants on thrones, the philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone welcome back to infants on thrones i'm glenn ostland and this is episode 696 religion versus dogma and I, th- I think this is really cool. So let me set the stage for you. I got an email three days ago on Tuesday, November 17th from a high school senior. And he says, hi, my name is Trevor. I'm a senior student in high school. I'm working right now on my senior paper. I decided to choose a topic that might go against the common believing and very Mormon-based community. I chose to write about how religion is more harmful and helpful to society and to people. I was wondering if I could interview you and ask you a few questions in my paper. I listened to a few of your podcasts and have enjoyed them. Get back to me as soon as possible. If there's a chance we could work something out, thank you. And I responded to him. I said, hello, Trevor. I'd be happy to do an interview with you, but I don't think that religion is more harmful than helpful. Unless, of course, you mean dogma instead of religion. And I'm happy to talk to you about why I make that distinction and what I mean by it. And so that's what we did. And it's a little 30-minute conversation that we have where Trevor asks me some questions and I answer them. I liked it. So I asked him afterwards if he and his dad would mind if we published this as an episode. And they said, yeah, go ahead. That'd be awesome. So I'm sharing this with all of you because I think Trevor's an awesome kid. I think the questions he asked were really insightful. I hope my answers were insightful as well. They, at the very least, give an indication of how I feel about this this subject and these topics. So let's get right to it. Thanks, Trevor, for reaching out. Yeah, nice to meet you too. So, so like I said in the email, I'll, I'll record this and then I'll send you a copy so that you can have it for your school project. All right, sweet. Thank you. So do, do like your mom or dad listen to Infants on Thrones? It's- yeah, my, my dad and my brother, actually, they yeah. were the ones that helped me listen to it, started okay. me listening to it. And yeah, so right when you, uh, right when I saw you email me back, I had to shoot them a text and let them know. And they were like, no way. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> cool. Yeah. I was surprised too. So thank you for getting back oh, to me. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Happy to. So how can I, how can I help you Trevor? Um, so I just have a few questions for you. Yeah. Um, I think if we could just start out, if you want to just give me like a little bit of like background info, some of your credentials, okay. uh, just start out with that. Well, I have a master's degree in folklore and mythology from Indiana university And I also went through a PhD program, almost finished it, but I didn't. (laughs) So, so as far as credentials go, it's a master's degree, but I I actually have a little bit more education than that. And when I was studying folklore, I focused on religious traditions. When, when I say folklore, what do you think I mean? Uh, kind of think about like folk tales and things like that. Folk tales. It also, it also includes, um, like uh, rituals, okay. customs, uh, things uh, like 
the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, <laughs> just, just it's it's really anything that is passed down through tradition, that's that's okay. learned behavior. Um, it it can be ways that people dress, like in in styles, clothes that have certain meanings that are traditionally passed down. It can be like food recipes. You know, like there's Mexican food and Indian food and Chinese food, you know, like those are examples mm -hmm. of traditional kinds of cooking and cuisine. So it, basically what I studied was the role that traditional culture plays in the lives of people, the way that they view themselves in relationship to the world around them. Okay. Okay, sweet. Um, so I guess we'll just start out with the first question. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to start would be maybe to start off with the question, why do you think religion can be helpful? Because if we start out with that, we can kind of go from there and then discuss other things around okay. that. All right. Um, and and I, th I think it would be helpful to know when you say religion, what do you mean by religion? Um, more, let's see. Like, uh, let's kind of like the, there's like the Christianity, things like that, more like that. What, what, what makes, so like if you've got Christianity and you've got science, what makes Christianity a religion and science not a religion? If you think that science is not a religion. Um, do you think that they're both religions? <laughs> well, I just, I think it, it, it's, it's in, when talking about religion, it's important to know, like, how are we defining what a religion is? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like I said to you in the emails, that there's a difference between religion and dogma, and it kind of gets into that. Yeah. So if, if you're asking me how religion can be beneficial to people, that's the question here. Yeah. How can religion be beneficial? I, it, it, it's helpful for me to know what do we mean by religion? Um, is, is real. And again, I'm coming at this from the background of somebody who studied the way that traditions influence people. So if, if I am born into the Mormon religion and I'm taught that God is a certain way, mm -hmm. or if I'm born into the Catholic religion, I'm taught that God is a certain way, or if I'm born as a Muslim or if I'm born, you know, th yeah. these questions about God. But if I'm born outside of a religion, I might not have any concept at all of God but I might be given some kind of story that's like the stories of God. It's like the stories of the origin of the universe mm -hmm. that I might treat those stories the same way that a Mormon would treat the story of, of God. And I might, I might really think that what I think is true and what other people think is false and that um, my truths are special and I kind of hold them in some kind of reverence or uh, they're sacred in some way. And, uh, you know, so, so like what really is a religion versus what's not a religion, I, I think is a, a, a tricky question and, and it might be a bigger question than you really want to tackle in your high school paper. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but so I'll say ways that religion can be beneficial to people. So if we're talking about religion is, a set of stories it's a set of beliefs about why the world is the way that it is how people operate in the world 
So if you have a religion that is teaching you ancient wisdom traditions like do unto others as they would do unto you, mm-hmm. um, it can be really beneficial as a way of, of teaching you to love one another. You know, as I have loved you, love one another. Like if those are the messages of religion and it's, it's a way of teaching people how to um, be kinder, uh, supportive of each other. Um, I think that can be really beneficial um, in society. There also can be things that religion does that says, don't kill people, don't rape people, don't do things that harm yourself, don't do things that harm others. So um, a way of teaching those kinds of lessons that can be really beneficial. And um, I don't know if, if you're familiar, there's a, there's a book called Sapiens that was written by a guy named Yuval Harari. Um, have you heard of that book before? I haven't heard of that one. No. He, so he's talking about um, just the history of, of our species, Homo sapiens. It's a really interesting book. And mm-hmm. he says one of, the, one of the benefits of religion is that it was something that helped individual people come together and work together as groups where humans, so, so he, he looks at humans, homo sapiens compared with like bees or hornets or ants, where mm-hmm. those kinds of animals, they just biologically are wired to cooperate with each other to have kind of like a hive mentality or a swarm mentality, where humans aren't really like that. Humans need something that we'll, we'll share in common. And so we create these fictional stories. We create these religions that have people working for a common goal that then they can work together and there can be a lot more progress when groups are working together than if people are working individually. So, so that, that, that's a few ways that I think that religion can be beneficial. Okay. Thank you. Um, we'll go on to the next question. So, um, kind of talking now, uh, about like, I guess I'll just, it's a, I thought of why do you think religious institutions can be harmful uh, to society? Harmful to society. Well, I think if, I think if the religious institutions are encouraging people to not be kind, to not be loving. So kind of the opposite mm-hmm. of those things I was saying, you know, if, mm-hmm. if it, if, um, for example, you see a lot of this these days where there are these religious beliefs that say that homosexuality is a sin. And so you could have religious leaders that are teaching their followers to actually be bigots and to be not loving, not accepting, not kind to people based on their sexuality or, or something like that, that really shouldn't make a difference, but because of the religious teachings, because of those stories, and it's, and it's really, it's, it's the rigidity that people are holding on to those stories that mm-hmm. um, is, is the problem and is harmful to society. Um, you know, you, you have very easy examples of like um, Islamic fundamental, fundamentalist terrorists like ISIS or Al-Qaeda, you know, with terrorist attacks where they believe that they are religiously justified to kill 
other people because they have different religious beliefs and that can be harmful uh, obviously um (laughs) to to society but but again i i think that the the real issue there isn't the religion so to speak but it's the dogma it's 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 the rigidity that people hold on to those beliefs and they're not they don't have that flexibility to say okay on the one hand we've got a scripture that says love everyone but then we've got these leaders that are telling us to not love the gays or blacks or women or or whatever kind of group is there mm-hmm. and that that then because the leaders especially this happens in the mormon church the leaders double down on this this one kind of bigoted belief instead of on the other one love love everyone then you have a lot of confusion and um, it can be harmful to those people that yeah. don't fit in. Okay. Um, so why, why do you think so many people conform to these uh, institutions if they can be so harmful? Because I think that, I think that um, there's a principle called confirmation bias. Are you familiar with confirmation bias? Yes. So, so confirmation bias basically says that whatever you already think is right, that, that is going to determine what you see. You're going to see examples around you that support what you already think is right. And you're going to be blinded to things that might contradict what you see is right. So if, Mm -hmm. if you're raised in a, in a religious culture, you're, you're going to, um, to have this confirmation bias kind of grow up in, inside of you that when you're being told this is right, this is right, this is right. That's really kind of what you see and you're blinded to things that would show you that it's wrong. So somebody outside of that culture might be able to say, Hey, the way that you're treating gay members of the church, for example, the way that you're treating that is wrong. They wouldn't even be able to see it because confirmation bias is such a strong thing. It's something that everybody has. Everybody mm-hmm. has it. So I I think it makes it objectively difficult for somebody who's a real sincere believer in that particular dogma to see outside of that, that framework. Okay. Yeah, actually, uh, this is a personal experience, but uh, that, that makes sense. Cause when, I think it was my freshman year when I started kind of looking into and questioning the Mormon religion, uh, I went to seminary mm-hmm. and they just kind of told me to read the scriptures and pray about it. And then you'll yeah. get a feeling. And I think since I had already kind of was questioning, I never got that feeling. And I just kept, I was like, I read it and I did it and I didn't get an answer. And he's like, if you just keep doing it, you'll eventually get the right answer. And I think that yeah. has to do with the confirmation bias is you eventually just tell yourself that you are getting it so that you can yeah. say that you had it. Yeah, I, and I had an experience when I was on my mission. I, I, I went to Japan, and there was a guy that we were teaching that um, he, he was very stubborn, and he was, he was very committed to scientific rationality, and he didn't believe a lot of what we were telling him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> at one point, we took him to a ward activity, and he met a girl, and he kind of fell in love with this girl. He kind of got obsessed with this girl. And so all of a sudden he had a reason to want to believe. And then there was the shift that happened, uh, you know, and we kind of, we kind of, we, we told him that if, if he didn't agree to be baptized, we weren't going to teach him anymore. 
and we wouldn't be bringing him to the activities anymore, which meant he wouldn't really be able to associate with this girl anymore. Mm -hmm. So he decided to fast and he fasted for three days. And in, in the third day, he was reading in the Book of Mormon, there's a scripture that says through small and simple means great things will come to pass. And mm -hmm. he read that. And when he read that, he got that elevation emotion, you know, the, the feeling of the, the Holy Ghost, as they call it. Yeah. And, and he's like, oh, so this is true. So I'm going to use this as a way to confirm what he wanted to believe. He was just struggling against it, but he wanted to believe it. And so he was able to feel that feeling that then go, okay, yeah, this is true. And it could confirm that bias that was kind of growing in his mind. So I, I think it's a very common human experience. And I, I think yeah. it explains a lot why there's so many people who hold so many different conflicting beliefs, even in their own mind that they're just not even aware of because they really don't mm. want to be, <laughs> they won't want <laughs> to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, so how have your experiences of seeing other cultures and other ways of uh, life changed your views on religion and life? Mm. Well, I, I, I lived in Japan as a missionary for two years and then I went back um, in my thirties and I worked, I worked there for, for three years, three and a half years in Tokyo. And, you know, one of the, one of the things I remember I, I came back uh, to the U S one time and I was in my home ward and people in the priesthood meeting were talking about how grateful they were that they were raised with, with a Christian upbringing that they were raised with the book of Mormon and that they can't imagine if, if, if they hadn't been born knowing about Jesus Christ in the book of Mormon, they would probably just be horrible people. They don't know where they would be. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I've been living among these people for the last three years in Tokyo, the Japanese people that they would, they don't know anything about Jesus Christ. And they're some of the most honest people in the world. You know, like, like I was there with my kids and my, my daughter who was 12 years old at the time, she was walking to school and she dropped her wallet and she didn't realize that she had dropped it until she got to school and she had to backtrack for like 10 minutes and somebody had found it, picked it up and just rested it on like a, a, a little wall on the side of the sidewalk. So about 20 minutes passed. Who knows how many people walked past this wallet? Nobody took mm -hmm. it because they all knew it wasn't theirs. They waited for, you know, so like a very, very honest, very moral group of people that didn't have anything to do with their, you know, whether they were Christian or not, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and the Japanese have more like they're, they're Buddhist. They're also Shinto. It's very different religious philosophies than Christian philosophies. But um, so, so, so remind me, what was your question again? How, how my views of religion have changed? Yeah, how your experiences of seeing other cultures in life have changed your views on religion and life. Yeah, so, so, so the way that, that that impacted me was I saw that, okay, the, the way that I was, the religion that I was raised in that told me this is the one true religion, well, no, there's, there's other religions that can also be true and, and be very valuable and teach good things. So mm -hmm. um, I, I also, boy, I could tell you, a lot of stories <laughs> about um, how 
I saw things in Mormonism that were very similar that other religions do, or, or even belief systems that might not be considered religious, but might be considered magical. Um, you know, the, the, the laying your hands on someone's head to heal them, having consecrated oil that you, you know, is, is pure olive oil that you pray over and you bless or blessing the sacrament. It's basically like you're putting magical power in the bread and the water that will then touch the people and go into their hearts. Um, the, the baptism ritual of being completely under the water. And even if a couple of hair, hairs come up, then you got to do it over because it doesn't, didn't work. Or, or like the sacrament prayer, you messed up a word, you got to do it over again. You know, like yeah. the, these kinds of things, there, there, are, there are things like that in other kinds of magical cultures around the world. It's not just Mormonism. It's a very human kind of thing, kind of way of looking at the world and trying to have power over it and you know rites of passage um there there are a lot of a lot of cultures that will take somebody especially when someone's young and they get older there will be some kind of a rite of passage you're going through one right now with high school you're going to have a high school graduation at some mm -hmm. point hopefully it'll be in person who knows with all the crazy <laughs> stuff that's going on yeah but, hopefully but but so you go into that um being um with, with one identity, you dress up in a cap and a gown, you go through all these bells and whistles of this traditional ritualistic thing, and you come out on the other end being accepted by society as a high school graduate. Now you're, you've like advanced in the eyes of people around you. The, these rites of passage, you have this, like with the temple ordinance in, in Mormonism, you have um, like wedding ceremonies where people go into single, they go through this thing where they dress up and then they do the magical stuff and they come out as a married couple. And th these kinds of transformations uh, of rituals. Um, and again, that this is why I asked the question because some of those rituals you would find in religions. Some of them you don't, you wouldn't consider school a religion. You wouldn't consider marriage necessarily a religion. It might be a religious one or it might just be at the, you know, county clerk's office or something. Mm -hmm. But these these are still um, religious in the sense that they're uh, considered to be very valuable and sacred as members of society and have some kind of a almost magical transformation uh, that that the person has going through it. Um, so that's a few. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what what uh, was like one of the main things that caused uh, you to leave the well the Mormon religion that you grew up in? Um, I think the biggest thing for me when when I was studying folklore and I started to see that the things that we were doing in our church, like the stories that we had or the rituals that we did, that they served a very valuable purpose, but they weren't literally what they were claiming to be. It, 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 it gave me a different way of viewing what was going on than most everybody else around me. And that was a very lonely place to be. And I was a gospel doctrine teacher and would, would try to share my ideas with other people. And there was a lot of resistance that was really hard. I didn't like it. And it's one of the reasons why I started podcasting because I wanted to talk about the way that I saw things with people that were interested in it. But 
have to go to the internet and find people from all over the place <laughs> because it's not as common yeah. um, as people in the ward. So that, that was one thing that there were, there were other things where I just started seeing basically that the stories that we were being told as being true, I saw them as being a different kind of true than mm -hmm. like a literal truth. I saw it more as a metaphorical truth than as a literal truth. And mm -hmm. that just made it really hard. Um, and I saw a lot of hypocrisy. Um, I didn't like, I, I didn't like the way that the Mormons would say we love everyone, but then they were, you know, not <laughs> loving everyone. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wish I could talk to you a little bit more about that, but we got to stay on task. Sure. But, but um, so before I answer, ask you these next questions, um, do you want to give me a, your kind of definition of dogma and explanation of that? Yeah. Quick? So, so, so dogma is a, a, a belief that is viewed to be absolute and unquestionable. So okay. if, if some, if somebody's holding to dogma, it means, Oh, I, I believe this thing is true and you can't even call it into question. Um, okay. that, that, yeah, that's what dogma, that's how it's. Okay. Um, so why do you think dogma can be so harmful to people in a religion or, you know, the other terms of religion that we discussed? Because when, because people are so rigid about their dogmas mm -hmm. and, and those beliefs, if, so if you have a belief that, um, you're one of God's chosen people and that in order to be one of God's chosen people, you have to be baptized and do all those things, you know, and if, if people haven't been baptized, then they're not God's chosen people. You start seeing yourself as being better than other people. You start seeing yourself as being separate from other people. And mm -hmm. if somebody comes and challenges that because, because that belief has formed your own sense of who you are in relationship to other people. If someone comes in to challenge that belief, the way that your brain works, you go into this fight or flight mode and, and your brain responds to that the same way that it would respond to you being chased by a lion out in the jungle, that you're mm -hmm. under attack. There's some kind of threat. And so you'll fight back. So if you, if you're holding onto your beliefs with that kind of, rigidity where you feel like somebody questioning your beliefs is the same thing as them threatening your life or your very existence, then that can lead you to do things like the, those terrorists do, or, you know, like where you can justify doing horrible things to other people because you think that you're right and they're wrong. And that's a result of the dogma it, that, that rigidity of holding on to those beliefs that you can get in a religion, but you can also get dogmatic reliefs uh, uh, beliefs outside of religion. So mm -hmm. I, I think if, if you look at the Nazis, if you look at um, Russia, when, when Russia moved to, to Marxism and, and communism, those weren't religious views, but they were dogmatic views. And there was a lot of suffering that came as a result. There was a lot of harm that came to people mm -hmm. as a result of holding on to those, those dogmas. So I, I think dogma is a bigger problem than religion, even though religion is a place where a lot of dogma exists. Okay. Um, so what, what kind of personal experiences have you had uh, with dogma that shaped your view on uh, like religious institutions or things like that? 
Well, I'll, I'll go back to my mission. There was a, so I, I was, I was uh, 19 years old, maybe 20 and knocked on the door of this guy who was probably 35. He had two kids, um, successful in whatever career he had. And uh, he let us in, which was rare. We didn't, we didn't get a lot of people who were interested in talking to us in Japan. So it was really cool. We, we were sitting in his house talking with him and just kind of like shooting the breeze. And then we kind of got to, all right, the crux of our message where we, we've, we've come here to talk to you about the purpose of life. And that's what we were, that was our script. And he looked at me and he goes, the purpose of life? He goes, how old are you? He goes, he goes why don't you come back in 15 years when you've gotten married, when you've got a couple of kids, when you've had, and then we'll talk about the purpose of life. And that was a shock to me because I was so convinced, I, like the, the dogma that I was ascribed to at the time was that I was a missionary for Jesus Christ, that I was carrying his message to other people and that I knew more about the purpose of life than they did. And so I was, I was really confronted with that, with this guy. And thankfully for me, <laughs> he, like what he said challenged me in such a way that it made me question that dogmatic belief that I had about, do I really know what it is that I think that I know? Mm -hmm. And um, so that, that helped kind of loosen my grip on that dogma. Um, yeah, if, if I, if I had more time to think about it, I could probably come up with some better examples, but I think yeah. that one will work. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Um, so just kind of one last, uh, question, uh, just kind of, where do we, where do we go from here? How can we, uh, better separate and discern, uh, religious dogma from our own personal spirituality? Yeah. Well, I think, I think the way to, to do that is really to turn inward to like focus inward. Um, like what is your own spiritual, like inner spirituality? What does that mean? And like, how, how attached are you? Like asking yourself this question, am, am I accepting of other people? Yes or no. If, if no, why, what are the reasons? Are those reasons like really good legitimate reasons? Or is it something that, you know, is a result of my own confirmation bias and, blind spots that I have. Um, so I, I think that ha having, having a personal sense of humility that the way that I see things is very, very unique to every experience that I've ever had in my life. And no one on this planet has had the experiences that I've had. No one's been in here from this perspective, having the thoughts that I think, the conversations I've had with people traveling where I've traveled, no one, it's only me. And so of course I would have a unique way of viewing the world. And so does everybody else. And so what I want to ground my own um, spiritual journey in is this humility that, that um, everybody has some kind of a unique experience that is valid at some level. And if I'm doing something 
that is going to uh, belittle another person or dismiss another person. I better have really, really good reasons <laughs> for, for yeah. doing that and just kind of be careful every time I notice myself doing that or I could be slipping back into that dogmatic way of thinking that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I, that was the question that I had, so. Cool. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Thank you so much for your time. And You're welcome. Getting back with me. Yeah, and tell your dad and uncle I said hello. <laughs> All right, I will. Cool, thank you, Trevor. Yeah, if you need yeah. anything else, just let me know. I will, thank you so much. All right, take care. All right, bye. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. We don't need another war. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes. And take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. So